This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hey, everyone. Today, we're very fortunate to welcome Carrie Lake to the program. Uh, you can see her on the Carrie Lake Show on America First Network as well as on Rumble. Uh, she's available on Twitter and Instagram at Carrie Lake and Carrie's K-A-R. I make sure I get everything right. Yep. Uh, and the Carrie Lake on Facebook and CarrieLake.com. I think you all know who Carrie is. She's a candidate for U.S. Senate in Arizona. She was in a traditional media and was a news anchor and now has become, uh, what do we call it? What, what's legacy media, I guess we call it. Now she's become legacy media's worst nightmare. We'll talk to Carrie Lake when we get back. Our laws, as it pertains to substances, are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic. Because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin, ridiculous I'm a, I'm a doctor for <laughs> sake. Where the hell do you think I learned that? I'm just saying. You go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. If you have trouble, you can't stop and you want to help stop it. I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. I think everyone knows the next medical crisis could be just around the corner, whether it comes in the form of another pandemic or something much more routine like a tick bite. You and your family need to be prepared. That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their physicians on like Dr. McCullough frequently. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals you can trust. And their new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy. It's really, it's a safety net. It's an insurance policy yeah, absolutely. that you hope you're not going to need. But if you need it, you sure as heck are going to wish you had it if you need it. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin, z -Pak. The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all these life-saving medications. From anthrax to tick bites, to COVID-19, the Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured, knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to help you and your family stay safe from whatever life throws at you next. Go to drdrew.com slash TWC, that is drdrew.com forward slash TWC to get 10% off today. Just click on that link. And welcome. As I said, we're going to have Carrie Lake in here in just a second. You can find her at CarrieLake.com, uh, America First Network, and Rumble, The Carrie Lake Show, and Carrie Lake, K-A-R-I, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, this is our last show before Caleb has his baby, so we will be uh, away next week and then back with caller shows on the following week. So please welcome uh, Carrie Lake. Hello. <laughs> hey, Carrie, I'm, I'm excited so to be here. I'm excited to... I'm excited Caleb's having a baby, too. I just uh, heard he's having oh, a girl. That's going to be so exciting. 
Thank you. And we're getting our studio uh, born again, too, at the same time. <laughs> Susan's priorities are, <laughs> are not aligned with Caleb's right now. We're getting this studio read down here. But, Carrie, I've got a ton of stuff on my mind. How, how is the uh, Senate race going? Well, we're just a little over a week into it, and there's a lot of excitement. Um, you know, it's I'm not going to say it's fun to be in politics. It's it, it's called the swamp for a reason, but um, it's needed right now. I, I I just don't think there's a choice but for us to get involved. And when I say us, I'm talking real everyday, non-political Americans. And I just was having lunch with a friend. I'm here in Tucson, Arizona right now. I'm not in my usual studio at home. I'm in a hotel room. But um, the people in this considered, I guess, very liberal town in Arizona, they're awake to what's happening. They realize that things aren't going in the right direction. We, we can't afford anything. You know, I, I just had a hamburger for lunch. It was $17. Now I know you're in Southern California. Yeah. That might be normal. That is not normal here in Arizona for a $17, yeah. you know, go up to the counter and order hamburger. Um, and we yeah. don't have safe streets. I'm driving through Tucson and the homeless crisis here is out of control. At one point we were driving you know, for a couple of miles. And I, I was looking out the window and I said to my husband who's driving, I said, I think everybody I've seen that's on the street walking is homeless. We can't continue in, in this country and in this direction. Something's got to change. And I think the people of this country are ready to step up and say, we're going to get out. We're going to get political this year. It's not fun to get political, but we have to get political and we need to take a radical turn and, you know, a quick turn. I, I call it a right-hand turn and do it quickly and get things back uh, in in the right direction. So I'm I'm happy to be in it because I know that it's the only way to save our country is to be politically involved and to have a voice for we the people. And that's what I plan to do, to bring a voice to Washington, D.C., the voice of the Arizona mom and dad and individual who wants a change in direction and wants to start putting our country first. Because, you know, I, I don't even think it's a, a Republican-Democrat issue, Drew. I, I'm assuming, I mean, I'm a Republican. I'm not going to lie. I'm a pretty, I'm pretty staunch Republican, but I know that Democrats want safe streets. I know that when Democrats like me today, looking out the window of their car and seeing people in total distress on the streets, out of their minds on drugs, that they know that that's not right and that we need to, we need to get help for these people. I know when they see the border crisis with people pouring across our border, that they realize this isn't sustainable. And when we watch the uh, terror around the world, knowing that it could come to our country, I, I believe Democrats are even looking at that saying, we've got to make a change. So I, I hope we can come together as a country and, and get things turned in the right direction. That's what my plan is. I, I think they're getting there. I, I worry that they're so brainwashed that they don't literally don't see these things that are happening. But I do hope that when you get in the Senate, you will... Uh, remember my number because I know exactly how to handle this this uh, homelessness thing. I mean, these are my patients. I took care of this population for thirty years. It's not hard. It's easy. We it, it is. These are open air asylums being cared for by social workers. It's literally like sending a severe surgical case to a physical therapist. They're not equipped to handle this. These are open air hospitals right. without doctors or nurses. It is pretty easy to solve it. We're the only country in the world that doesn't take care of sick people. And I think it's tantamount to well, murder. It's because these are progressive, and, progressive illnesses that really. end in death, period. And, and they're enabling these people to continue, it, it, to continue living in misery, in absolute misery in a lifestyle that's killing them. But, 
And I, I think uh, last time we spoke, I told you I met one of those social workers. I was walking through the zone, which is the fastest growing homeless encampment in the, in the country. And I was mm-hmm. talking to her. And I said, this is not working the way that, that, that you guys are doing it. And she said, well, we have to meet these people where mm-hmm. they are. And I said, what do you mean yeah, meet these people where nonsense. they are? This man that's right nonsense. here, he's out of his mind on drugs and he can't make a decision. Yeah. So um, yeah. I think- That's, a, that's, I an, that old, that's an old trope. That's an old trope from social workers that we have to meet them where they are. I, I ran a treatment program for 30, 25 years. We, did, we met people where I, we took them where they needed to go. That's what we did. We didn't meet them where Amen. they were. And by the way, and by the way, even if I, let's say I met that person where he is, that heroin addict, and I myself injected the heroin every four hours into that individual around the clock, they still would progress and die. This is the part they all miss. These are progressive illnesses that end in death. Period. No matter how, yeah. it's faster when they do it on their own. It's faster when they mix in the meth. But even if I administer the drug, they still progress and they still die. And this is the part that they leave out completely. They're not medical people. How would they know? They have no training in medicine or in well, the care of the ill. They're social workers. And, and you said it. It's an easy. It, it's easy. We can fix this. I mean, it's not super easy, but you know how to do it. And when you look at all of the problems we're facing in this world, the solutions aren't that hard. Someone said, what are we going to do about this border crisis and people pouring across and and the drugs that are Mm -hmm. coming across? I said, it's really simple. We finish Mm -hmm. the wall and put into place the policies that were working under President Trump. And we actually start following the laws that are in place rather than just looking the other way. So it's pretty simple to fix that. About what about our high gas prices? It's really simple to fix that. We start drilling for gas and oil again, finish the pipelines, and uh, become energy independent again, rather than than dependent on countries overseas that don't even like us and that control us once we are dependent on them. We can't be dependent on these other countries, and we don't need to be where we can be totally energy independent and dominant here at home. There's a, a bunch of easy fixes. It's putting our country first. It's getting our own uh, situation handled. If you got problems in your own home, you can't go out and fix the neighborhood. If you got problems in your neighborhood, you can't mm-hmm. fix the community, can't fix the state. You got to start right there with your own individual problems, your own home, and then you move out from there. Yeah, energy policy is defense policy, is international policy. And I, I don't under, we've got people so in a panic about climate. The idea of using combustibles in the short term and solving this climate and green issues over the long haul, they, they're too big of a panic to accept that. That that's the part that I that's the disservice they have done to the public. They brainwash them, panic them, and the reality is, if they if we don't create something to temporize the current circumstance, so we can solve these problems down the road, we're going to be in big big trouble. Truly, I mean, they had us scared to death over um, a serious cold bug, uh, COVID. They have us scared to death over the weather. They, I mean, there's children out there who think the world's going to come to an end because there's cars driving around. And it's really uh, manipulating mm-hmm. the minds of our children. It's unfortunate. You know, when you think about the, the gas and the oil industry in America, we actually, if you think about it, it has done so much for the environment. Think about how we used to heat our homes before we had gas and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. wood. We were cutting down forests and burning wood, and that put a lot of soot into the atmosphere. Uh, we were mm-hmm. actually 
before oil and kerosene and all of that, we were lighting our home with whale blubber. I mean, they were killing whales to, to get the oil. So we've got mm -hmm. an endless supply of oil underneath our feet. President Trump's right about it. The scarcity, the whole push that, we, that it was a scarcity was manipulation to make us think that we didn't have enough and that we were living in these times where we were going to run out of fossil fuels. It's just not true. And so we have to do a better job at messaging that and talking about uh, the importance of fossil fuels. And we can't survive and our businesses can't grow and our economy can't grow if we don't have the energy to grow it. But the, the left, I hate to say the left, is the, this environmental crowd. They are, uh, I, I don't know how they think their phones and computers and electric cars are powered, but it's not um, fairy dust. It's not fairy farts, <laughs> as they say, you know, it's powered by, <laughs> it's powered by energy, real true energy, nuclear energy, coal fueled energy. And so when, when you plug in your car, your electric car, that energy comes from somewhere. It's whether we don't have magic outlets where it just, you know, comes out of nowhere. And also those electric vehicles, as we know, uh, require child labor, uh, you call it child slave labor to um, get the cobalt mm -hmm. and, and make those batteries. And, you know, it seems like the environmentalists are willing to turn a blind eye to that and act like this electric vehicle push is the way to go to have a clean environment. And they just want to hand over all of our industry to the Chinese, to the CCP, and take it away from America. When we build cars here in America, that means we have jobs here in America. When we drill for oil and gas and get our energy policy strong again and become energy independent, we've got thousands upon thousands of high-paying jobs in America. Why are we handing these jobs over to our adversaries? Why are we handing our industry over to China? It's going to collapse America. And I think we've got about a year left to try to save it. And I'm going to do everything I can to get in there. That's why I've jumped into the fray and, and I'm running for office and the media calls me all kinds of names, but I'm a mom. I just don't care. I told my kids when I was raising them, you know, the old adage, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. And we need to stand up, be strong, be willing to be canceled and called out and name called because um, at the end of the day, I want my kids to have a great America to live in. You you mentioned the media here, and I I you really caught my attention during your run for governor when you were addressing your peers and other reporters in the media with with real um, a dose of reality. Let's say so. You were in media for almost twenty years. I, I think you were you were an anchor, if that's what if that's correct. Actually, I believe. thirty. And, <laughs> uh, thirty years. Okay, thirty years. Many years. And what? And I and I spent a lot of time in news. I did, you know, eight years over at HLN, and I had a nightly show here for a while. And and the you know, there's a team of producers that produce the material every night and throw it on the prompter. And oftentimes they're young people. They're you know, especially in cable news, they're sometimes very young people creating the news. There's usually a more seasoned executive producer over things. What happened to the media? What What do you think happened? It It didn't happen. Well, I don't, I don't know. It's like that's why Trump derangement had such uh, was so interesting to me because it felt like they all became victimized by that, but never really turned back from it. What What do you think happened? Well, I mean, if you think of how you and I were educated, and I know your education is even more vast than mine because you went to medical school, and um, 
we were educated in a different time when I think the education mm. system was run better. We were getting kind of the fundamentals. If you think of anybody under the age of mm. 30, 40 years old, they started to get more of an indoctrination in school. They started to get more of a um, mm. ideology pushed on them. And so when they came out of college versus when you and I came out of college, we were more um, open to independent thinking and they were more open to thinking in a certain way. And so in, in, in the media, back when I started in the early 90s, there were hundreds of TV stations across the country and hundreds, maybe thousands of newspapers, and they were owned by thousands of different owners. But along the way, they were purchased up. Uh, you know, kind of conglomerates would come, conglomerates would come in and say, I'm going to buy this whole media group. It's eight stations. And then another group would buy 18 stations and another group would buy up a bunch of stations in this part of the country. And right now, almost all of the media is in the hands of five or six corporations. So we don't have those individual, you know, in a, in a city like Phoenix, where you'll have four or five stations and you might have a family or a business owning one, another family owns another. Now it's just, five corporations that own our media. So they basically control the media going out to all the country. And they, while we used to have good experienced seasoned journalists who had children, families in the community, a lot of them had been pushed out or they retired and they weren't replaced with seasoned journalists. When you replace a 65 year old man who's worked in the market for 30 or 20 years and raised a family there, and you realize that when he retires with the money that you were paying him, you could, you could buy and pay up and, and hire five young people straight out of journalism school. And mm -hmm. so they're just hiring mm -hmm. people who don't cost as much for, for, their, uh, for their work. And they're people who don't have roots in the community, who came out of these indoctrination camps, the universities where journalism schools aren't teaching journalism where you ask questions and you have curiosity and you want to get both sides of the story, they're actually training them to push ideology and be social justice warriors. So that's in a nutshell, what happened to journalism. And you have 95% of the people in uh, TV stations across the country who are liberal. And listen, I think I'm okay with liberals being in newsrooms, but it shouldn't be 95%. You know, we're so worried about diversity and looking at the color of someone's skin, and we're not thinking about diversity and ideology. And right now, there's no diversity and ideology in newsrooms across this country. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory— Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I, you know, I'm a super moderate. I sit in the middle and I look at the excesses on all, on all sides and uh, I, I'm upset all the time. Uh, but one of the things <laughs> that I've become sort of preoccupied with of late is I, I always try to understand, I, I really want to understand everybody's point of view. And, and when I see what looks like brainwashing or just, you know, really like uh, logical inconsistencies or, or wrongheadedness, I want to understand how they got there. And recently I, I had a frame, I think it was Joel Pollack even today that tweeted about it, that uh, got my attention, which is that 
it seems like people that are left-leaning have an absolute con um, cling to with absolute unyielding tenacity the the idea of there being only in the world the oppressed and the oppressors and that's it everything right. gets seen through that lens and it's it just everything absolutely everything and when you start to think about it that way you do sort of start to see people with that point of view and how that colors everything now i don't understand what sure. is going on with them internally that the whole world looks like that to them uh it seems a little simplistic to me and excessively reductionistic and then on the right people are concerned primarily with the government overreach versus being left alone that seems like that's a lot of what's and certainly the libertarians are in that that zone particularly as it affects freedom is that construct something you relate to? And and what do we do with this oppressed oppressor thing? It seems like a, a dead-end street that goes to horrible places. You end up with early 20th century mm -hmm. Russia. You end up with Rwanda. You end up with all these, you know, 1790 France. That's where all that came from. I I look at it a little bit different way. I think of it as victim mental, mentality versus victor mentality. And I think the way I grew up being the youngest of nine and um, I grew up in Iowa, part of my childhood in rural Iowa. And uh, with that many kids, we didn't have a lot and we were never ever taught victim mentality because I think my dad knew if I teach these kids victim mentality, mentality they'll never leave the house and I'll be taking care of them forever. So we were, we were taught- Was your, dad the nurse? Was your mom the nurse or your dad the nurse? My, my, my mom was the nurse, my dad was the uh, teacher, okay. history and government teacher and Got football it. coach. And so we were raised got to be it. very resourceful, work hard. If you want something, you got to work for it. And I, I think the victim mentality is um, the left pushes that because when people are feeling sorry for themselves and down, and there's a lot of bad stuff going on. I mean, people get hurt. And I'm not saying you can't have a moment to feel sorry for yourself when you've been done wrong. Sometimes you just need to stop mm -hmm. and go, that really sucked. Gosh, if I stay in that, if I wallow in that mentality, I'll never be able to get up. It's like those days you have a bad day and you want to curl up and lay in bed. If you do that all day and then you turn into the second day doing the same thing, pretty soon you are in a hardcore depression and nothing good's going to happen. And so you just have to, yeah. you have to, you know, get up and move forward. And it's sad because victim mentality is, is so damaging to uh, your work ethic, your psyche, your ability to enjoy life. And I think the left pushes that. It keeps people in that when you're feeling like a victim, you, you're more likely to want to be dependent on the system. And that's no way to live. That's not a joy life. That's, you know, so much of hard work, joy comes in hard work because you, you put the work in and you see the results of it. And it's such an empowering thing. And I think that the right, and, and um, you know, I'm not trying to get overly political here, and I appreciate that you want to see both sides, is about personal em empowering the, the American citizen to, to have that ability for the uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, to have access to the American dream and succeed. But I also believe even people on the right, Republicans recognize that that American dream is really hanging by a thread right now because the economy is so bad, because our national security is at risk, because we're watching people pour into this country. We haven't even vetted them. And I think even people on the right are in a, a real panic and even on the left are seeing what's happening, realizing that it's not, we're not long for this country if we don't turn things around. So I look at it more as victim mentality and victor mentality. 
and making empowering people, just like we were talking about with the homelessness. If you keep them on the streets and yeah. you keep enabling them to live on the streets and you keep bringing in a, a never ending supply of cheap drugs and you give them all of their food and they need clothes, you give them clothes and here in Tucson, they get free transportation anywhere they want to go. And so the homeless population is just ballooning out of control here. And you are literally holding these people down in a life of misery rather than empowering them and getting them better so they can be contributing citizens. It's cruel. Yeah, it, it, believe me. And, and most of them are furious when they are when they do get better. Like you let me, you let me stay like that. Like why did you? What is wrong with you that you allowed me to stay in that in that disaster? But even, but even but it, take it out of the homeless situation, that victim mentality. Once you wake up from that and realize that you've been kind of held in that way of thinking, you also wake up from that and go, I can't believe I wasted so much of my life believing that. And thinking oh, yeah. that oh yeah, someone is out to get me. Oh oh yeah, oh no no, it's it's and plus it keeps people dependent on a supply from the state or you know the nanny state of some type, and of course then people get very dependent on that, and that's how certain people get votes. I don't understand why that's not populism. I I don't understand how people throw around the term populism these days. I don't know if you saw that. A uh, Canadian, uh, uh, I think he's a parliament member, eating the apple, talking to a journalist. Did you, did you see that? I want you to, I want you to do oh, all yeah. your television interviews it's now, eating eating an apple because it was so good. <laughs> it was, uh, but he he was saying, "What do you mean by populist? What does that mean? What are you even talking about?" I I've lost track of what they mean when they say that. Yeah, well, I did an interview much like that. Somebody in the we were doing an interview with some of the great, um, brave men and women. Um, in, in our police force here. And, you know, of course, there's many people who want to defund the police, which is the craziest thing I've ever heard. And we took questions from the media and someone said, but don't you think that, you know, many people believe that police brutality and that, um, that it's racist what they're doing and people of color believe it's racist. And I said, first of all, uh, they said, uh, studies show that people of color believe the police are racist. It was just a bunch of garbage. And I said, well, which studies? Well, there are many, many surveys, but which specific surveys are you talking about? And, and then which people of color? Because I talk to people of color all the time, and guess what? People of color want their kids to be safe when they go out and ride bikes in yeah. their neighborhood. And people of color yeah. want to know yeah. they can go to the gro grocery store, walk through the parking lot, and not have to look over their shoulder. So, you know, we have to go after the, the media because the information they're putting out, Drew, is not only propaganda, but it is meant to change the minds and thoughts of people that are consuming it. And it's not being um, used in a constructive way. It's being used to try to convince people that our police are racist. And this is one of the reasons that they want to defund our police, make our neighborhoods less safe. You know, I, we're, not only are we getting assaulted when we go to the grocery store and, and see the receipt, what we had to pay for this little amount of groceries, we're, we have the risk of being assaulted when we go to the parking lot to put the bag of groceries in the car and we have to worry about the crime on our streets. And so uh, it's just, it's a lot of media working with uh, leftist outlets and, and, and politicians to push a lot of garbage and nonsense on us. And thankfully, I think people are waking up. Yeah, I, I, I find it deeply offensive when but constantly the constant refrain of middle-aged 
white men and women telling everyone else what African Americans in this country want, believe, feel. It's 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 sort of disgusting, and they they've become extraordinarily uh, brazen with that. Like they they have some magical mm -hmm. knowledge and rep and are representing when in fact. <laughs> Who are they to say they should shut up, seems to me? Well, and it seems like, you know, I, I try to look at people as just, you know, all, we're all God's children. And I frankly don't care what color someone's skin is. I, I know that we want safety. We want security. We want access to clean water. We want access to safe streets. And, and to try to compartmentalize people based on something so, uh, like a, the color of your skin, to me, that seems racist, actually. I think all moms, no matter what color their skin is, no matter what color their eyes are, no matter what neighborhood they live in, want to make sure that their kids um, are safe. They want to make sure their kids are going to school and getting some really good fundamental basic education and then maybe some skills training so that they can get out of high school and have access to some jobs that can help them um, you know, feed themselves and potentially raise a family. So I really find it offensive, and, and the left is always doing that. And I never thought of it that way until my daughter, when she was about 12 years old, she said, Mom, why did the Democrats always point out people's skin color? Doesn't that seem kind of racist? And I went, Ruby, you're right. You are absolutely right. And, and they like to call people who are Republicans racist. And I, I, I think that um, we're seeing a lot of people who are in the black community or the Hispanic Latino community who are coming over to the Republican party because they realize that we don't care what color your skin is. We want you to have access to great neighborhoods, safe neighborhoods, excellent education, and the ability to uh, have an opportunity to reach that American dream. I, I do believe that everybody means well, you know what I mean? They, they, I, I, that's why the, one of the reasons as somebody as a centrist, I get offended when people on one side or the other are called bad people because they're they're typically bad people they're they they you may not agree with their policy we're all trying to make things better for americans that what do you think we want some group to suffer is that is that what you're you, you believe i mean that's just such a bizarre idea uh it's just brainwashing to try to get people to believe that uh, you think they do believe that, huh? That they that they want that they want one side to well, be i uh, guess that's how they get their way that's uh, how they win I, politically i wish I wish, Drew, that I would, could look at everybody and what, what right now and say they want what's best for America. But I don't. I don't think that's the case anymore. If you want what's best for America, you know, for for example, Joe Biden. And I know we don't want to get overly political, but I'm going to get a little bit political. On day one, he he tore back a, a policy on the border that was really working to keep us safe, and he has never remedied that. He's come to Arizona two or three times. He's never been to the border. And we have an absolute border crisis. We've got fentanyl and dangerous drugs pouring across, killing hundreds of thousands of people and leaving a wake of sorrow and sadness for millions of other Americans who've lost loved ones due to the drug crisis, the fentanyl crisis. You know, right. every person who dies right. leaves behind uh, uh, many, many loved ones who are going to mourn their loss forever. And I don't think that he has our best interests in mind, Americans' best interests in mind, when he stops our, our oil and gas production. And watch, we, we have to suffer with, with gas prices we can't afford. $7, I think, last time I was in L.A., it's $6 almost here in Arizona. And I don't think that when inflation mm. is just putting families under, 
And when we have a foreign policy that is having the whole country, the world teetering on World War III, I don't know. I, I find it hard to think that he's one of those people who has America's best interest at heart. I don't see that in what he's doing. And unfortunately, I think there is a segment of the Democrat Party that has gone beyond the Democrat Party that we think of it as, because we're a little bit older than some of the young people that are out there. We see it kind of more as the JFK Democrat Party, and I don't think that party exists anymore. I think it has gone socialist and maybe even all the way over Marxist. And, and when you're coming at policy from a Marxist point of view, that's not pro-America. Never fear, Carrie. The vice president has been in charge of the border. It's going to be okay. <laughs> and I don't think she's been to the border either. Uh, it, you know, it's it. I, I chuckle at it, but it's so tragic. It truly is tragic, and it doesn't have to be this way. And I'm and I'm very hopeful. I think that in the year to come, we're going into an election year, and I do believe things are going to get worse. But more and more people are waking up and saying, wait, this isn't working. Let's take a different path, a different direction. And so I think people are going to get active, vote, and we are going to build a stronger America. And it doesn't have to take for, I think we can turn things around rather quickly. That's why I'm in it. I'm, I'm sacrificing the next year of my life to be on the campaign trail, to talk to Arizonans mm -hmm. and make sure that we get out, vote, and, um, and at least get some good representation here in Arizona. Well, Carrie, we have to take a little break here, but uh, I, I appreciate you being here. I've got some more questions for you. So are you available to hang on a little longer? Okay. Sure. Absolutely. Okay, be right back. Be right back after this. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. Susan and I have been looking for nutrition-packed, great-tasting greens drink for a while. And then we tried our friends at Paleo Valley's Organic Super Greens, which is superior to what's out there on the market. Our friends at Paleo Valley, well, they think of everything, and they've created what's been called a magical green powerhouse. All three delicious varieties, pure unflavored, strawberry lemonade, and tropical, contain 23 certified organic antioxidant-rich superfoods, including the highest quality spirulina. It's also free of cereal grasses, gluten, grains, soy, and dairy, and no added sugars or artificial sweeteners. And what's more, it delivers digestive enzymes, polyphenols, which are believed to burn fat, and eight essential amino acids. Imagine the time, effort, and cost of trying to make this yourself. It's impossible. Head on over to drdrew.com slash paleovalley, and you will get 15% off your first order. All the great products they have there, 15% off at drdrew.com slash paleo, P-A-L-E-O. Fall is right around the corner, which means dry, flaky red skin from allergy season is coming with it. But the best way to take care of your skin is with our skincare secret, GenuCell. You don't need to worry about that puffy, tired eye look or those annoying dark spots or even dry, flaky skin because GenuCell skincare has you covered. Susan and I love our GenuCell products so much, we want you to try our personally curated skincare bundles. It's risk-free at GenuCell.com slash Drew. GenuCell works so well, you can see the results in this unplanned live moment on our show when the Redness Repair Cream repaired my skin in just minutes right before your eyes. Their concentrated vitamin C serum helps keep your skin plump and hydrated. Plus, with their immediate effects, you can see astonishing results in under 12 hours. Quick, effective, and easy. Go to GenuCell.com slash Drew right now to try our bundles and save over 60% today. And remember to enroll in GenuCell's world-class concierge program for additional savings and free shipping. Don't wait. It's GenuCell.com slash Drew. 
G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash D-R-E-W. These products have transformed my life and Susan's and saved her marriage. Discover the key to oral hygiene, regardless of your current daily dental routine. Whether you diligently brush and floss multiple times a day or you struggle, you got bleeding gums, bad breath, plaque buildup, this revelation is for both of you. Surprisingly, over 350,000 Americans experience health issues that may be connected to their toothbrush or even caused by it, ranging from heart or blood sugar problems, forgetfulness, digestive difficulties, immune issues, all related to oral hygiene. Scientific studies have shown that a simple switch of your toothbrush can lead to a healthier teeth and potentially save your marriage. Yes, save your marriage. Our study, we did a personal study. My wife, Susan, hates the sound of the sonic toothbrushes, but introducing the real white sonic toothbrush, of course, also their hydroxyapatite dirty mouth mineral toothpaste by Primal Life Organics, these products have transformed my life and Susan's and saved her marriage. It's much quieter. It's a very powerful toothbrush, but it is quiet and it saved our marriage. So, the real white sonic toothbrush from Primal Life Organics stands out among all other electric toothbrushes I've tried. It effectively eliminates plaque, harmful bacteria, promotes gum health. Get yours and enjoy 60% off at naturaltoothbrush.com slash DREW. And we are back. Of course, we have Carrie Lake with us today. And uh, Carrie is running for Senate in Arizona. And before the break, I told her I have a few more questions. I have, I have to say something really quick, though. Okay. I went to the dentist today. Okay. And that dirty mouth toothpaste and toothbrush <laughs> really works because my teeth had no tartar and my dentist wants a link. So, so there you go. Well done. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully uh, he didn't charge me if there was nothing you. between. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. no, that he doesn't. Didn't uh, he wouldn't say that unless it really were different. He, he, that's that's impressive, and I can see why. That's a that's a, it's a good product. Um, and so, uh, Carrie, the one thing that that confused me amongst many things these days is this desire for centralization of authority. I I just don't understand it. As a biologist myself, you know whether or not you're someone that you know, adheres to evolutionary theory. Evolution occurs because individual organisms facing the environment learn to adapt and change and reproduce in mm -hmm. such a way that these these tiny little changes re result these in this magnificence that we see in nature. What in the world, and, and you look throughout history at evidence of what happens when governments centralize, it ends up in tyranny, essentially without exception. What is it today that people want? I mean, there, there's, you know, there's a treaty, so-called, on the on the docket with the World Health Organization, which is going to give them centralized authority over all governments in the world, in spite of their duly elected positions. But there seems to be this sort of enthusiasm for centralization. I gave a talk recently. Um, I was actually in Bermuda, and I was talking about mm -hmm. how I wasn't aware how centralized medicine had became and how that was some of the source of the excesses and problems during COVID. And I could feel people like pushing back on that. I thought, how in the world can you push back on that? What do you think? Well, I think when it comes to medicine, when you uh, start to say, hey, wait, this, this centralized medicine is not working. And if you've been to a doctor's office lately, not all doctors, Drew, I'm sure this isn't you, but you don't get that 
one-on-one attention sometimes. They have very little bit of time to meet with mm-hmm. you. Um, mm-hmm. It hasn't gotten better. But I think when you, when you talk about it, people kind of recoil because they go, okay, uh, maybe they have healthcare for the first time and they're thinking you want to take my healthcare away. But it can be better. We can do better with how we do healthcare. But when you, you know, you talk about um, centralized, it's really a globalist idea when you talk about the WHO, mm-hmm. the WEF. And I think people might think it sounds good. You know, you see the people, maybe maybe they're impressed by the people they see touting it, but it's absolutely a horrible idea that doesn't work. And, and thank God for our founding fathers to create the United States Constitution and a government that is powered by we, the people, from the ground up. The people have the power, although right now it sure doesn't feel that way. And that's what we're fighting um, to restore, a government where we, the people, have control of our government. Um, I think that's the way it works that allows us to have that prosperity, to have the individualism where we can go out, chart our own course, raise our families. We don't want to have, uh, and you see it even in the schools where they, they're saying now the parents shouldn't have control over the kid's education. And if, they, if the child is expressing Crazy. gender confusion, we need to keep it away from the parents. And most of the time that gender confusion started once you sent your child off to school and they started getting all of this nonsense preached to them at school, they weren't gender confused before they started school. They got confused when they went to school. So I, I believe um, in the opposite of that. I believe that in, in individual individualism and families with uh, parental controls, smaller leading to bigger. I I agree. It, it is... Uh, like I've always said in terms of the healthcare, that there's nothing more efficient than a well-trained, caring physician and a motivated, informed patient. That is your most efficient unit. Anything you put on top of that, you create inefficiencies. Same thing with family systems, a well-functioning family system throughout history, throughout, throughout the human experience has always been the best unit for raising children, uh, however you want to conceive of that family unit, fine. But the stable environment for child rearing is a necessity. And I feel like mm-hmm. these things have been under attack for quite some time. And it's such an odd idea to me. I just wonder where it comes from. It does feel like something coming from outside in to try to destroy us. Well, it's definitely a, this, a push, a globalist agenda, and it's been happening since the 90s, and we've been seeing so it very slowly, crazy. a push. And, you know, the, the, the strongest institution should be the family. And when you weaken that, mm-hmm. the nuclear family, you weaken a whole country. When you tear apart yes. at the family unit, you tear apart at not just the home, the neighborhood, the community, and it goes out and becomes a bigger and bigger problem. And so we need to strengthen mm-hmm. our family. I, I had such a great um, trip to Hungary back in August, and I had a chance about an hour to chat with uh, Viktor Orban, incredible leader who's much like President Trump, just got lambasted, attacked in the media, even though he's, he really loves his country. He's lived through communism, and he wants to have Hungary be strong. And I had a great chance to talk to him about some of the great policies they put into play, immediately pushing back on some of this garbage of, of anti-family and don't have children and don't get married that you see pushed a lot on our young people. And they started encouraging that, encouraging, knowing how important the family unit is and that's where your strength can come from. They started encouraging people to get married and have families. 
and they backed it up with baby bonuses. I think I, if I have it right, I believe like their tax rate is 16%. They gave you a, a bonus, a, a reduction if you get married. And then if you have a child, you get another small reduction. Any woman who has four children never pays taxes again and in, in her lifetime. And this was in part because their population was collapsing and they realized we have to turn this around and we have to encourage families. And when we have strong, healthy families, we have a strong, healthy country. And it is, it is night and day different. I, I really encourage people out there to go visit Hungary. You see it when you're in the billboards, you see happy families, you see mothers, and they encourage that. They never changed a single abortion law in Hungary. They didn't ban abortion. They did nothing to change the laws and they reduced the numbers of abortions by half, by 50%. It's astounding because all of a sudden, women, when they found themselves pregnant, weren't afraid, weren't desperate, weren't scared. They were much like, more likely to be in a relationship and be willing and wanting to take care of that baby and have the baby and be a mother. And then it, it continues to push, push forward. As you see more moms around you, more happy families, you too, as you're growing up, say, hey, that's what I want. That looks great. One of the greatest gifts in life, and I know, Drew, you would agree with it, and anybody out there, I don't care if they're a Democrat, Republican, or somewhere in between, if you ask any mother out there, what is the greatest achievement, the greatest joy in your life? And, and she will say, without a doubt, without hesitation, it's being a mother. And I think that's pretty powerful. And, and we've been trying to talk our young people into thinking that being a mother is a burden and a nuisance, and it's not. It's just the opposite greatest gift. And I think we need to help more people realize that and be the party, the Republican party, the party of the family, the party of women and children. And I'm, I'm ready to take that message to Washington, DC. We're going to put uh, our money where, the mouth, where our mouth is, and we're going to actually help uh, make sure that we support families and strengthen the American family. I do want to get a little bit into the politics here if we, if we can. Uh, I don't understand what's going on in the House with uh, Jim Jordan. What they they tried to put a Speaker Pro Tem in, and even that got blocked. What what is happening there? Uh, is it just uh, you? Tell me what what do you think is going on? Well, I think we have. Um, I don't want to say a family fight, but you know, and I respect Republicans because we will duke things out. We'll say, you know, we're gonna the the Democrats. They just fall in line. And, and sometimes I wish we did that as Republicans, but I also respect that we say we have disagreements and that's okay. We're supposed to have, things aren't supposed to move smoothly all the time. When it's just one side pushing their agenda and the other side pushing theirs, maybe that we're not having enough discourse. So I think it's, it's healthy. I wish they were moving along quicker. I think Jim Jordan needs about 20 votes and he's going to work hard to get those. But because we have a little bit of a rift in the Republican party right now, we're struggling to get those votes. I have no doubt that it will eventually happen. I think these 20 holdouts are going to look at the playing field and say, wow, we don't want Hakeem Jeffries. That's not going to be good. And work, do some negotiating um, and, and work to get Jim Jordan in there. And I believe that Jim Jordan is a great, patriotic, amazing American leader. And I think he'll work with everybody. It's, it's a job that is very difficult. Um, you have to be able to work with your colleagues. And right now with such a small major majority that they have, they don't have a lot of wiggle room. So they have to work together. And it's going to take a little more time. But I, I believe at the end of the is, day, is it that, will be Jim Jordan. Is, is that what 
the issue is they're having with him that he is so he's a very um I always admired him and I thought I the like I always like it when he's interviewing, you know, people at the various house hearings and things. Very interesting, smart guy. Are they fearful that he won't be able to sort of maneuver a little bit and uh, be a little more uh, flexible? I think you have, you know, in the Republican Party, we kind of have the establishment wing and then we have the America First wing. Mm. And there's not a lot of people mm. in between. But I, I think what we have to do is, is work with those 20 people and say, look, these are our options right now. It's really hard. We don't have enough votes. Right now, they don't have enough votes to get anybody in there because they're they're a little bit divided. I'm trying to look at the mm. positive side that they will work together. They will have the reality check of, wow, we either have to come up with and, and make some concessions here and get Jim Jordan across the finish line, or we're looking at uh, a Jeffries, and that's not going to be uh, an option that the American people are willing to take. The American people, I believe, want Jim Jordan in there, and they're getting phone calls. They're they're getting a lot of phone calls. They're calling their congressmen, and they're saying, please elect Jim Jordan. The, I love that the American people are awake and taking part in the political system. For many, many years, we were in a slumber. Things just seemed to be on cruise control. We didn't realize that they were on cruise control and the navigation system was leading us straight off of a cliff. And so now the American people are involved, they're awake, they're following. I think C-SPAN is getting great ratings lately as people watch what's happening in the House. Oh, interesting. Do I wish it was all oh, out in the public for everyone to see? Not necessarily. I, I hope that it doesn't make us look weak. I think the Republican Party is strong and getting stronger by the day. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. And sometimes it's, it's, it's not easy. It's like making sausage. Sometimes it's a, it's not a pleasant process, but they will come together. And I believe that at the end of the day, it will be Jim Jordan or they'll find somebody, but it, it's going to be hard. There's really nobody right now that could get the votes right now. There's not one person who could get the mm. votes right now. And Jim actually has Crazy. more than anybody else. So tomorrow, this is a separate topic, T tomorrow the British uh, Parliament is going to debate or discuss for 30 minutes uh, the excess deaths that have been recorded in most countries around the world, that we have this really uncanny problem and a period of history when following pandemics, usually deaths drop because people who are going to die usually get taken out earlier by pandemic. So you have, you have a decline in deaths and then a back to baseline. But we've had a persistent increase climb mm. in excess deaths. Some people are saying that that is in cancer and cardiovascular and stroke, that that's what's happening there. Why is the British government the first government on earth to even acknowledge and discuss this? And by the way, they're only allowing 30 minutes. They're hoping to get the full three-hour debate going down the road. Is this not something just unbelievable to you, or do you have any opinion about this? I have a big opinion on it, um, and they're not the only government. I'm really proud of, of Senator Janae Shamp, and she's an, a registered nurse who sits in our Arizona Senate. And I believe she's held, I think she's holding a, a, a conference tomorrow on COVID and the effects. Um, it's either today or tomorrow, but this week, and she's mm -hmm. held another one. And we've had hours of people coming and talking about it. It's hard not to look at the protocols that were put in place during COVID and lay the blame there. I mean, you, you know, the sudden death syndrome we've been seeing, they call it sudden adult death now, and it used to be sudden infant death. Now we have sudden mm -hmm. adult death. 
And I, I believe in the vast majority of these cases, these people were vaccinated. I'm not completely laying the blame there, but you have to, if you're a scientist, look and see a correlation there. I know many people, many people who have had health problems post-vaccine, post-COVID shot, and who have died post-COVID shot. I know more people right now in my life who have aggressive cancer than I've ever known in, in my 54 years. Aggressive cancer. Where did the, what is going on? And we have to look back. I'm not a researcher, but there seems to be mm -hmm. some sort of a correlation. What is going on? Uh, with the illness. Yes. It, what, and, but we should be I, looking I think, at it. Yeah, of course, it, it could be COVID. People yeah, are, it could be COVID plus vaccine. It, it could canceled. be vaccine. It could be COVID. Yeah, it could get canceled if you talk about it. But I, I am prepared to accept that it's any of these things. But you must first establish that it's happening and then figure out what that is. It, and and the, the numbers are incredible. And let's say it is all mental health or addiction. Then for God's sake, we better, it's an emergency. It's a pandemic of deaths. And we better figure out what's going on here. Yeah, I... I have grave, grave concerns about this, and the fact that yeah, there was we closed the world down for one, and then we're ignoring another. It's just mind-boggling. And, I just saw, and I, by the I way, just Pfizer, saw go ahead. I saw a video today of a woman walking into a bank to uh, she was had a bunch of cash. I don't know if she has a business that deals with cash. She wanted to deposit it, and um, they would not let her in without putting a mask on. So there, there's got, now we've got oh, I saw that. businesses trying to push that. And she just refused. She just yep. flat out said, I will not comply. I will take every last penny yep. out of this bank, but I will not put a mask on. <laughs> and I will not, I will not comply with this. And we have to get, we can't continue to allow this nonsense. You don't have to be a trained medical professional to know that the masks were bogus, that we should never be forced to get a shot against our will without having information and studies on it. We know they didn't stu do enough studies on those shots. And we know that the virus itself was manufactured. Part of it was, it was engineered. And there's so many mm. questions to be asked and we demand answers. And uh, I think we're gonna be in the coming months getting that. And I, I know that Jim Jordan, if we can get him elected uh, as the speaker, will launch some investigations into questions that must be asked and we want answers for, and I think he'll uh, immediately get right. into that. And we'll look at some of the some of the dealings of Joe Biden and his family, and the bribes that were taken from our adversaries, like mm -hmm. the CCP, um, you know, Ukraine, Kazakhstan, M Moscow. A lot of bribes were being taken by a president and his family. And it's about time we get some answers. I think the people can handle the truth, but we can't handle our government uh, yes. lying to us. We can't handle our government gaslighting us. I think I think if us. Trump had done that. If Trump had done that, he'd be impeached three times by now. Oh, if he had taken bribes like that. He'd be in jail by now. Yeah, I, I think, mean, yeah. <laughs> well, let, let me, I want to get. I want to finish the vaccine thing, then I want to get around Sorry, to that, that issue. But so myself. Pfizer just today issued a a statement saying that yes, myocarditis is, is there. It is. Oh no, uh, is this the myocarditis thing? Uh, that there are increased incidents. Yeah, there it is. Authorized or approved mRNA COVID vaccines show increased risk of myocarditis 
and pericarditis, particularly within the first week following vaccination. For community, the observed risk is highest in males 12 through 17. Oh, and so I was telling horrifying. Megan Kelly, hold on, not only that, for, for a year, the last two years, they're going, oh, well, myocarditis, no big deal. In my career, myocarditis is a medical emergency. You can have sudden, severe arrhythmias, and they can lead to death like that. Plus, you don't know how many of these episodes of myocarditis are going to re result in cardiomyopathy, which is a neat, which if you're a young person, you're going to need a cardiac transplant. And so there's a, oh a circulation article that came on, came out in July, this is the American Heart Association, being ignored. And in fact, I think it's being shadow banned. I've been unable to get the entire article since I originally read it that showed that f over half of the kids a year later, still had persistent, severe cardiac muscle problems. That is breathtaking. I was shocked by that. Breathtaking. That needs to be followed up on. We need to know what that means. It is a profound observation. And I, people should be flipped out about that. But instead, we get not even a, a whimper. But there you go. If I, Here's what you do. I'm, if you I'm, end up, I'm I'll tell you what, if you end up it. being one of those kids that were injured and you were forced to take the vaccine by a college, you sue that college. You sue them because they forced you to take yeah. something that you did not need that, that ended your life potentially. I, I'm not saying everybody should sue colleges. I'm saying if you are one of these unfortunate individuals that had myocarditis, particularly at a time when we knew the risk was up in young males and you have permanent disability from that of any type, that is on the school. They forced you to take it, particularly if you objected at right. the time you went to school. That's unconscionable to me. I can't even believe that we put and, young males and young people and, in that position. And even younger, I mean, they're asked, they're, they're saying babies should get this and children. And, and as a mother, you have these perfect, beautiful babies. And, you know, your, your teenage yeah. son or daughter at the epitome of health and to put them through this risk. And I think we're going to find yeah. out that the risk was known. I think we're going to find out that uh, the pressures that were put on mothers and fathers and, and people who wanted to maintain their job or their career so that they could put food on the table, mm -hmm. that the risk was known. And where, where I really think we need justice is the social media companies and these media outlets that refused to put the full story out there, that, that buried it, that shadow banned people who were trying to get truth mm -hmm. out. I remember putting out information and being mm -hmm. written up in the paper. I was just trying to get some information. I was reading it. I was researching it as a journalist. And while it wasn't airing on our, our, our station when I worked at the TV station, I was trying to get it out through the voice and the megaphone I had on Twitter. And I was being written up by the newspapers. How dare she spread this misinformation? Well, turns out everything I put out there was true and could have helped save lives. And right. if we yeah. find out that there was intentionality behind keeping these facts away from the public, I think we need justice for that. And I, I'm all about forgiving I agree. people. You don't forgive if you don't get justice. Forgiveness only comes when you feel that there's been justice. And we need some justice and we need some truth out there. So well, I, I'm going to push for that. And I hope have... that in this. Good. Yeah. Yeah, if I should point out something, really keep an quickly. eye on Biden. Biden versus Missouri. Biden versus Missouri is going to the Supreme Court, and that's that's the greatest uh, sort of um, 
documentation of the excesses. I know, Carrie, you've got to go, but Caleb, you want something real quick? Yeah, if I could point out something very quickly, you know, simply putting on screen Pfizer's own press release, I'm required by YouTube and a lot of social media websites to put up a disclaimer from Pfizer's own press release saying that COVID vaccines are safe, effective, and reduce your risk of severe illness because they might cause, they might punish us for putting Pfizer's own press release on screen and discussing it. I'm just, it's appalling that, that the First Amendment is being crazy. trampled like this, you know, and I, I suffered from it. You know, the people I ran against actually had that kind of hotline into Twitter where they could actually have people's tweets taken down if you talked about the elections, you know, and um, I remember doing an interview with a news outlet where we were talking about some of members of our military that were, didn't want to get the vaccine. And I just said, you shouldn't be forced to do that. And we don't know the risks. We don't fully know the risks. This was, you know, a year or a year and a half ago. The whole interview got removed from YouTube. And um, that anybody could be okay with that kind of First Amendment infringement. We're living in crazy times, Drew. And I am yeah. ready to fight for the next year. I'm hoping that people who are watching uh, will take a look at my policies. You can find them at carrylake.com. And, and I hope they will ignore the media. The media is so afraid of someone like me because I am a mom. I'm an outsider. I can't be bought or bribed. I am in this to help my children have a future and help my country. And so they've lied about me in the media. They're trying to do what they did to Trump, an eight-year smear campaign on him. And I hope that people, if you're listening and say, wait a minute, she doesn't sound the way the media portrays her, that you go to my website, carrylake.com, see where I stand on the issues. I believe that America First policies are good for all Americans. That's why they're called America First. And we can turn um, this the direction around and we can solve these problems, these very serious problems with real common sense solutions. And if you like what you see, um, sign up for emails, make a donation. I'm in this to win it. We have a chance to bring a Senate seat back to common sense, conservatism. And we're going to do that. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you, Drew. See you soon, I hope. Good luck. And uh, I, I know Carrie had to go, but I want to make this quick point, which is that the, the, for me, the term misinformation is so profoundly disturbing. I, I realized this yesterday when we were talking to that young physician who was accused of putting out misinformation. Here's here in science never had a notion of misinformation, right? It, it doesn't exist. Understand here, here are the purveyors. I, there are two standout purveyors of misinformation in scientific history. Both were one was criticized, one was actually punished and put on house arrest. The first was Galileo Galileo Galley. Galileo was a misinformation advocate. He was called by the Spanish Inquisition a blasphemer who was pushing misinformation that was dangerous. The notion that the planets revolved around the sun was profoundly dangerous and literally flew in the face of God's perfect universe. The earth, everything went around the earth. Don't you understand that? Anything other than that is misinformation. The other misinformant, a guy named Einstein. They thought he was nuts. He would, was way off base. He was misinformed. What if we had left it as, as such? What if we had silenced him and did not allow there to be a huge 
discussion about his misinformation and a Copenhagen synthesis and a coming to Jesus amongst physicists about the reality of what he had discovered. What if we had just suppressed it as misinformation? It's unthinkable. It's unthinkable. And yet that's what people are advocating for. It's just so hard to understand. My God, it's just, it's just uh, beyond my understanding. So there we are. Um, I'm wondering if we should take a couple calls before we wrap things up here. This is, after all, our last call. Uh, well, we are uh, doing, Caleb, do uh, you have any other questions? Well, we're doing caller shows coming up. We are doing also, caller shows. Okay. I should, I should note right. that as well, that the schedule has slightly changed. So we, we shifted things yes, already. Did. And so it's October 31st is the caller show all about COVID and medical freedom. November 1st is now the caller yep. show with anything except COVID topics. And November 2nd is the caller show on Ask Me Anything. Any topic you want to ask Drew about, those are the upcoming shows that are we're taking off between October 23rd and October 30th. And Dr. Kelly. The new baby. Kelly will oh, yeah, be in Dr. on that Kelly, Wednesday. Kelly's going to pop Maybe in we'll slip somebody in, but it won't be broadcasted. Right. Right. It won't be. Yeah. And uh, I'm just thinking, I, I know my callers, you'll be asking all kinds of stuff in all the days, yeah. and that's okay. Yeah. That's it's what, called Ask we, Dr. Drew. Why well, we'd not? like to have some themes going if we could possibly I don't know. Do it's so. fine. Uh, I am looking at the uh, Rumble. I'm looking at the restream right now, just trying to see if you guys have. So, any. is anybody on uh, Twitter Spaces wanting to come up? No, I, we, I, I think we're going to let it be. Yeah, Go we ahead. had there, the we space had that we were on originally. There. It it uh, disconnected, yeah. and so that's why people people haven't loaded back into it. So we probably won't have people that are. Yeah, there, there have been some but they will have plenty of opportunity. I, I was having technical. It, yeah, I it's, was having technical it's problems. Baby Nation there. ready to come out. Yeah, yeah. the Everybody spirit wish. of Baby Nation is shutting down your Twitter spaces. Wish Caleb <laughs> and his family the best. They are <laughs> going, like, they're coming. going into it. I'm coming, Dad. Uh, hold on a second. I'm just looking quickly at what's going on here. Also, yeah, I think we'll have an opportunity. Go ahead, Caleb. I wanted to highlight too your event that's coming up, the Reclaiming Food and Medicine event. Oh yeah, that's on October 28th. Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Dr. Asim Mahatra, Dr. Shiva, Dr. Drew, all four are going to be there October 28th in San Jose, California. You can go get tickets now at drdrew.com slash RFM. I'm going to be uh, technically moderating the panel, though the more I think about it, the more I don't know if I can keep my mouth shut. Um, <laughs> well, but, they're going to need you. But, uh, but it's going to be a big event. It's going to be a great event. Please, we'd love to shake everyone's hand and meet you here. It, it's pretty exciting to, I, you know, whether, you, whether you're going to vote for RFK or not, he is certainly stirring the pot of some great ideas, and I, I always love to hear him speak. He, he makes you think, and that's what I'm really looking for these days. Susan, anything before we uh, take off here? We're going to be gone for a week. You want to talk about your teeth anymore? Do you want no, to talk my teeth about are right. No, I, um, I appreciate all the sponsors. Go our, to drdrew.com slash sponsors. Get all the links. Get all the coupon codes. and you We will can bring get our TWC discount. uh our travel kit with us, the, yeah. the, which I just think is just a great kit. I really do. Uh, let me see if there's anything. Oh, we have the – do you have the banner for the New York Comedy Festival, Caleb? No, but uh, I, I have the, uh, the link up on screen right 6th. now. Okay, so Kat Timp, Jimmy Fela, Dr. Drew, and myself will be at the New York Comedy festival in new york city if anybody's in new york and they want to come by it's on the november 6th at 8 30 at Monday. the chelsea music hall so right, under the chelsea market yes and it should be really fun and we're going to be taking your questions and having a good time uh at a new york festival so yeah 
And uh, I was with Kat this weekend. She has a live show she does all over the country, and I got to do a an, an live interview of her while she was out there for the audience in Orange County, and that was a lot of fun. So we appreciate uh, UC Irvine and all the Orange County folks that turned up for that. So if you're in California, go to San Jose. If you're in New York, go to the Chelsea Music Hall. Okay, you guys, I'm looking at your comments here to see if there's anything left for me to talk about before we, because I'm feeling guilty for being gone next week, and so I'm squeezing every last moment out of this. Uh, I know, we've got a lot of travel coming up. We do. We've got, we're we're doing be... Boca, Orlando, San Jose, New York, and Austin. <laughs> oh, I'll be on Viva Fry next week. I'm, we're going to go, he's going to pick me up in Boca Raton, and I'm going to go to the uh, Rumble studio As where he does promised. that show. And that will be on Tuesday. And, uh, and yeah, we'll... so if you guys follow Viva on Locals, go ahead and tune in on Tuesday. And then Ando. Is, so... he, is he live? Is that a live show? I believe show? so. Yeah, I, believe I guess so, it is. So. All right, everybody, thank you for being here. We do appreciate it. We really love doing these shows, and so we appreciate what you all show up and to participate and ask good questions and get onto the, the, the uh, chat rooms and things. I, I watch them as we go, and if I... And then Caleb, of course, is watching them too, and he throws up some of your comments. And I'm sure you noticed that as well. Uh, thank you to Carrie Lake. Good luck to her. For Everybody pray for Taylor Nation and uh, good yeah. luck with the new baby nation. And we're, we're, we're going to have a bigger nation this year. This year. <laughs> so, so. Uh, and I'm going to have a new floor, and we're going <laughs> to. We'll have a new studio here soon enough. But Caleb, thank you uh, and good luck. I'm sure you'll do great. Some it's new be, shots. Thank you. you. You're so dreading it, it's going to be less than you imagine, I suspect. Oh, no. I'm, I, I've been here before, I've done it, and I, don't have, I have no dread. I just know I'm not going to sleep. Good. I know what to expect. So. I'm ready. <laughs> Good times. All right. Good Are times. you breastfeeding? <laughs> Good times. Thanks. See y'all. No room for complaints. The other side. <laughs> See you soon. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only. I am a licensed physician, but I am not a replacement for your personal doctor and I am not practicing medicine here. Always remember that our understanding of medicine and science is constantly evolving. Though my opinion is based on the information that is available to me today, some of the contents of this show could be outdated in the future. Be sure to check with trusted resources in case any of the information has been updated since this was published. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help. Hey.